Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Hello, Impact Boomers. Welcome to episode 103. You're with me, Natana Mayan, and I am ready to dish up another thought-provoking episode. So I sat down with Mike Davis. He's the founder and managing director of Purposeful, which is an award-winning B Corp and social impact consultancy. Basically, they help businesses and not-for-profits create, measure, and communicate social impact and develop purpose-driven culture. But it doesn't stop there because Mike is a fellow podcaster. His podcast, Humans of Purpose, showcases conversations with Australian leaders who are creating social impact through their work. During our chat, we spoke about how to know if you're heading in the right direction and what it was like for him starting up Purposeful. Mike also spoke about his methods for approaching daunting tasks. Although I must say my favorite piece of advice from him were his steps to starting a meaningful conversation with your heroes. Definitely gonna be using that one. Anyway, this episode's a really great one, so happy listening. Hi, Mike. Thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? Awesome. Thank you so much for coming over to my house. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't say, oh, thank you for coming because I'm the one who came to I you. I was actually already here, which was awesome. <laughs> Look, I don't know how I'm going to actually keep up with this audio level quality. Like, I, I feel like it's just downhill from here. This is totally like a radio studio and it's pretty advanced and, you know, like Nova, Fox, if you're listening, this is a serious quality podcast right here. <laughs> Uh, that's true that's true but seriously thank you so much for um letting us have a conversation on your amazing equipment next to your um very cute dog as well well. Cyril is really grateful for the invitation to be here also and I've obviously been following Impact Boom for some time being a real dominant podcast in the space so it's exciting as a fellow podcaster to have the opportunity Mm, well can't wait to get straight into it sure so tell me what was your journey? How did you get into Purposeful? How did you decide to start that up? Where did it all begin? We're talking from like all the way back to Immaculate Conception or how far back do you want to go? We're talking university or? I'm talking like primary school age. Nah. That's too far. Um, I'm happy to do university. I'll, I'll do like a early university and then tell me if it's too far or too slow. Easy. Yeah. So, I mean, my journey was basically a very lost kid who finished year 12 and didn't know what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And so... What do you do in that situation? Well, you have good enough marks. You do whatever you can. And commerce for me was the answer. So I studied business and had an entrepreneurial interest at a young age. But I think when I studied business, entrepreneurship wasn't really a thing yet. It was sort of, you know, 2001, 2002, maybe some of the first entrepreneurship courses were coming online. Um, and I didn't really find my niche in commerce. I studied a bit of marketing and management and thought it was interesting and bits of finance I liked. But I couldn't quite find my niche where I really felt at home. 
So after I did commerce, um, I, I was always interested in ethics and morality and philosophy. So I studied law at uh, Monash University and really found that intellectually it was the right fit, but in terms of practice, it wasn't. Um, Interesting. As, yes, as many as our, of our lawyer uh, contemporaries would know, the, um, the study of law is very different to the the practice and reality. Mm. And that's a rude awakening when you finish a law degree that you find out how the system works. But um, I spent a year as a judge's associate after my um, year of doing law. I was lucky enough to finish in the GFC year of 2008 where they slashed clerkship offerings and uh, graduate positions by at least a quarter. It's fantastic timing. Oh, you terrific. Know? You're really setting yourself Just, up um, there. Just me full of hope when I was doing my two clerkships that I would uh, get a much coveted position at an elite law firm. Um, but alas, it was not to be, um, finished the judge's associateship and really had a wonderful time learning about the courts, the justice system and the intersection of government, uh, society and a whole bunch of really interesting human rights issues that I never had contemplated before. And, um, at that point, I mean, I hit the same juncture where I was like, this is great to study, but given that I don't want to practice what's next, um, I realized through being a judge's associate that I loved policy, I loved writing, I loved um, advocacy, and I loved the power of words to convey meaning um, and to, to influence social change. So I thought, why don't I try my hand as a, um, as a policy writer or a sort of a policy analyst? I see that sidestep. Yeah, oh. so it was really just sort of saying, you know, the thing that I was loving most about the law was actually the research, writing, and making arguments uh, based on, you know, ethics, philosophy, facts, factual matrix and, you know, sort of what's happening, circumstances of the case. Um, so spending a bit of time um, as a policy analyst um, at some medical colleges and then after that thinking, I know how to lobby into government about various issues around medical uh, um, matters and legislation and ethics. Um, it's probably time to see how the sausage is made, so to speak, and get in government and figure out if I can be somebody who contributes to actual policy making. Um, and that's a whole different ball game and very interesting to see the insides of the machine for a, a few years. Mm, I uh, can imagine there'd be a lot of red tape there as oh, well. Oh yeah, it's a, it's a bureaucratic jungle and um, look, there's a lot of good that goes on in government. You do learn a lot and you learn as much as government gets criticised, it's mainly former private sector workers who end up in the high positions in government. So it's all the same people everywhere. Mm. It's the machine that's the challenge. Yes. Um, so... Spent time learning from some very bright people um, in health and human services. Spent time at a central agency learning craft in the department of the Premier and Cabinet, which was interesting. Uh, and then went back to health and human services to work in social investments. And um, did that for a little while and began to think very deeply about what it was that I wanted to do and what kind of impact I wanted to make. And more specifically, what is the problem that I want to dedicate my time to? That's a very, that's a loaded question. Yeah. That is very, very hard to solve. Yeah. And um, it, uh, I think the mistake that a lot of people make is they jump into an exciting project without the, the layer of meaning underneath or the, the driving motivation. But when you're in government, you see so many things that you could be working towards sort of fixing or um, being a part of a solution that um, it doesn't take long for the one that's most meaningful to you to rise up to the top and sort of like almost urge you to do something. And for me, it was sort of around not-for-profits and business, not really working together effectively to solve social problems. Because traditionally, when you think about it, um, government puts a lot of effort, money, policy, uh, resources into solving social issues. 
but um, with dwindling resources, tight budgets and all the issues and going on, um, it's not sustainable for them to be the only people coming to the party. Mm. And I saw a couple of trends. I saw corporate social responsibility sort of not really being an effective solution to helping make the world a better place. And I saw not-for-profits not really using strategy all that well to solve social problems. They weren't measuring um, outcomes well. They weren't having uh, robust models around uh, outcomes measurement. There was no um, real system behind the, the doing. There was just the doing. Mm, yeah, there wasn't much crossover there at all. No. So I thought, look, these are clearly two separate problems, but ones that I'm very passionate about solving. And I've always thought that things are best solved in partnership and there must be some way that both of these parties uh, could either work, be working together in partnership or separately and have their motivations realigned to focus on solving social problems. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Was, how did you tackle that one? Well, um, it was a long and slow process. I, I started a company just with a terrible name. It was called um, Aegis Social Impact Advisory. Yeah, yeah. Aegis? <laughs> yeah, and it, the acronym for that is Asia, but it's not an it's not a Asia focused, or it's not an Asian run oh, company. Oh, I thought you said ages. Yeah, no, it was ages. So, oh, okay. So um, oh, I'll explain. That. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so the first thing is, and my sister knows this space well because she's in, you know, the, she she just understands all this stuff around design. But she said to me, you should not be using a non English word to describe what you do because it's very confusing for people. But I had had this thing in my mind that I was very taken by the idea that ages meant in the, in the Roman era to be under the protectorate or advisement of. Okay. It's quite an honourable meaning that, you know, if you're a client of Aegis, you would, you know, be under their, you know, uh, paternalistic sort of protection or guidance or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, my good friends, none of my good mates, colleagues, or even myself had realised that there was a huge, um, you know, superannuation company called Aegis Denso or something like that. Oh, no. Which was a further layer of confusion. So this was just like shocking planning 101. I made the website in Wix. It was a total disaster. <laughs> Uh, I think, you know, but, but strangely enough, I mean, we got a job or two out of it. Um, just, you've got to put yourself out there. Lesson I mean, number good one. on you for launching yeah. straight into it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's one of the best things about startup life or this space. If you have an idea and you're really got a lot of full of beans, then the best way to learn whether you're on the right track is just to put yourself out there. Mm, it's so true. Like yeah. instead of trying to make sure that you're making the absolute perfect move yeah. and calculating everything strategically, just mm. go do it. Gather intelligence. Put yourself out there and see what the market says about your idea and your offerings. So how did you test that out? Well, I just launched. So I launched the website and we got um, a few requests for little jobs to do around, um, at the time, uh, policy and privacy. Mm -hmm. So some interesting areas mm -hmm. and work around um, some of the privacy changes and legislation that were happening. And um, I soon realized that I wasn't doing the work that I set out to do by forming that company. And it was probably to do with the identity of the business and required really um, putting some money into it seriously and revamping and um, being a bit more concerned about the effort to launch properly into the right space and reach the right types of clients as well, which is important. So I took a, a loan. Uh, for an interest-free loan from a lending organization for a couple of grand. And I put all of that into the website. Um, so invest in the intangibles. And I think when you're in services, um, you don't have much to show. So your website's critical. So get a really good website is the best advice I got and did. Um, and at that point, rebranded to Purposeful because I was in the States sort of thinking very deeply about why Aegis was a flop. 
<laughs> as you do. And um, uh, my wife, the other side of the world. yeah, my wife <laughs> sort of just said, you know, it's pretty obvious you've got a terrible name that has nothing to do with your core service offering. So yeah. you need to change that. Um, so I thought, you know, what is, what is the essence of what I want to do? And it's really to help businesses and not-for-profits to have a greater purpose in the world. Um, you know, a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, sort of mishmash out there about what, what does purpose mean and purpose crafting and purpose washing. And, you know, sometimes I think people have said purpose so much that it now lacks meaning. Mm. So I try and say it less. But for me, it was really simple. I mean, it's about having a clear idea of where you're going that's aligned to your values and, you, and having a sense of a destination. And you can only take yourself on a journey um, that's imbued with meaning if you have some sort of guiding values and a clear destination in sight. Mm, definitely. And also strategy to help you get to that destination. Yeah. yeah. So that was the sort of key. Like, And, and you know, really um, thinking a lot about it back then, it was um, – it was a quote by Seneca, uh, the younger, which I would totally butcher if I tried it now, but he's sort of saying that, um, you know, sailing to a, uh, when, the, when the port or the destination is unclear and you're sailing, well, what kind of journey is that that you're going on? Um, you could be going anywhere. So that to me was very much about, it's, it's a few things. It's having the right um, guiding values and, and the sense of destination, but then also um, being clear, I guess, on, on why you're embarking on that journey. And the why is, you know, very much championed by Simon Sinek and a, a raft of other people, but understanding, you know, what drives you and what gets you out of bed, but also why you're on that journey and why you, why, why is it you who's on that journey is a thing that I learned to explore more as part of developing my own unique value proposition. So you basically ask people pretty tough questions. Uh, is that a question or a statement? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a statement. I think that's a statement. No, just because it's a, I could see that having purpose as an intangible idea mm. that's very abstract is very easy to have. But when you try and distill that and work out, yeah. okay, what direction are we going in? Why are we going in that direction? Yep. How do we get there? Mm. They're very confronting questions. And I can imagine yep. that having that kind of conversation with clients can sometimes be a bit challenging for them because it might be things that they might not have considered or it might be questions that they don't know how to answer or multiple stakeholders might have multiple ideas of what that destination is you've hit the nail on the head so many times there i think every comment you just made is accurate more or less um it really i think my job when it boils down to what i do in purposeful in, in consulting and in any of my work really whether it's podcasting or with clients is i just I'm a very curious person, so I want to ask a lot of questions and those questions bring clarity and clarity is important and alignment to values and strategy. If you combine clarity and alignment, that's really important in having a good mission and a solid mission. So I'm really thinking about when I'm doing jobs, I want to be asking the uncomfortable questions because that's where the growth comes from. Um, you know, it's sort of like that expression, you know, everyone talks about doing things because they're easy, but really you should be doing things because they're hard. That's the real, that's where really the growth comes from. Yeah, exactly. Because if they're hard, it means that they're worthwhile. Correct. Like, you know, so a personal philosophy that I have is that I try and regularly do things that I'm not really sure about 
or make me feel uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Do you have any examples? Yeah, public speaking. Oh, uh, yeah. Lo- launch, you do a lot of that, though. do a lot now, but I didn't do any before. And podcasting, like I'd never done that before I started the podcast. Uh, I was just sort of thinking, oh, my philosophy is like this. Uh, that makes me feel weird. I think I could do that, though. Let's try. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just do it. <laughs> yeah, because like the thing is, most people don't. Like most people's thought process is... Um, that makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm therefore not going to do that and I'll do something else that's easier. So would you call that bravery? What would you call that? I'd call it um, not caring, learning not to care much about how you're perceived or how others perceive you. It's definitely easier said than done. Yeah, it is. But the more you practice it, the easier it gets. So I often have people say to me, look, you know, humans are purpose. You have some amazing guests on. How do you get them? I just ask them. It's that simple. Yeah. Because other people wouldn't. They just think, oh, this is a, um, this is a important political figure, or this is a, um, you know, this is a business leader, or this person is way too many levels above me. People love having conversations, and especially talking about themselves. So, if you are going to honour somebody with the opportunity to do that, they will most likely, you know, if you do it the right way, be really thrilled at the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh wow, it's. As if those perceived barriers that other people might have, you just don't worry about them. Yeah, I've, I've learned that people are perceiving things that generally aren't there. It's a lot of fear and a lot of built-up tension about things that probably don't actually exist, but they do in a lot of people's minds. The more you can train yourself to just do things that other people aren't willing to do or would maybe be a bit fearful of, um, that's how you get to growth and that's how you improve. So for me... Um, I got to a stage where I think I, I said to my wife the other week, I had a really weird week because I, I spent time, 80% of my week, I spent with people I've never met before. And 80%? Yeah. So like that's, that's incredibly like strange, but what an exciting time of life to be in like growth-wise and learning-wise where you're surrounded by chances to learn from people that you don't already know. Um, you just have to start seeing everything, I think, as a learning opportunity. Mm. So is that how is, is that the the secret sauce to it? Because I know that there's different routes. There's oh, you know, do the first little step yeah. and then follow it up with more little steps, and eventually you'll get there. Or just throw yourself into the deep end. I think it depends what personality type you've got. Like mm. I wouldn't be saying that everyone should throw themselves in the deep end and expect to succeed because that's a risky strategy. But I think definitely testing boundaries and what you're capable of at all times is really important. So putting yourself in positions of discomfort is a sign that you are having an opportunity to grow and learn. And that, that should be seen as something that's good for you. So, you know, when, when you're on, online and you're, you know, entrepreneurs always have these times where just nothing's happening, the business is not moving. Why don't you put yourself up to keynote speak at a conference? Or why don't you try and apply to write an article or a blog for something that you haven't written for before? Or why don't you be proactive and, you know, um, Put something provocative out there that you honestly believe in that you've thought through and just don't don't think as much just do more just do it yeah. yeah and i reckon i reckon that's how you've been able to build something from nothing yeah um so i know it's not easy but from the outside people could say oh you did it so easily you decided it's, to do it's it it's not easy it. at all but it's not at and all the truth is is that i spend a lot of hours awake when others are asleep uh, either working or stressing about work. Um, 
because the, the classic entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, mind. it's brave front on the outside, but on on the inside, um, I try and actually not put my energy into self doubt. I, I put it into doing as much as I can to succeed. So I'm just going to give it everything in my time as a you know small business owner, entrepreneur, um, and do give myself the best chance I can of succeeding in everything I do. And if it doesn't work, I'll come out and tell everyone that it didn't work and why and what I'm doing next. Mm. But that window is not going to last forever. So you really want to be not wasting your time stressing about how you're perceived or what happens next. Yeah, that's so true. Do you believe in some kind of balance? Like do you do you worry when I know that running your own business sometimes you don't I mean most of the time you don't have that work-life balance yeah and you know one thing can trickle into another thing yeah are you really big on boundaries or do you just take it as it comes I want to say yes I am trying to be better with boundaries but it's it's hard I mean we went my wife and I went to Fiji two weeks ago for a week holiday and we were sort of not supposed to be working, but I had three projects go live the week before after having nothing for about five months. Uh, yeah, it's and always like that, isn't it? We spent the weekend, both of us, by the pool working on our own stuff. So, sorry, the weekend. And look, it was, was a good balance between relaxing and, um, and doing work, but you would never turn that work away. Um, it's the foolish person who turns away opportunities to work and develop. Um, it's like... You know, even with podcasting, you've got a chance to have a podcast with somebody and they've only got one time and it's not that convenient for you. What do you do? Well, you just say yes because a bird in the hand is the economic uh, philosophy. You know, it's always better to have a bird in the hand than you know, a bird later. So get it done because there's certainty there. Um, what I do try and do is I try and switch off uh, emails, social media at night um, unless I'm, you know, podcasting. Okay. And weekends, I don't do any emails. I'm pretty strict on that. Um, I try not to work on weekends. So I try and do things to balance myself up a bit. But I know that if things need to get done, uh, you know, in a 1.2 person business, it's either me that's going to do them or they're not going to get done. So do you ever find that being so close to purpose-led businesses, you ever have purpose fatigue? As in hearing about the concept too much and being sort of uncertain whether it's legit or put on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting space to be in. I think, you know, purpose-driven business has really exploded since about 2015. Um, we have a lot of evidence now about how much more high-performing purpose-driven businesses are and how much better they are for the planet, uh, clients, customers, workers, the works. Um, the B Corp movement and its explosive growth in Australia is sort of testament to that success. I do get tired of hearing about purpose as a marketing exercise. Um, I'm a lot more interested in organisations building strategy and activity that leads to better outcomes for stakeholders. I'm not as interested in how can we make a media release or statement or you know go out there and bang the drum about how ethical we are. Mm. I think it's very different. So if it's around um, actually making change that benefits stakeholders, I'm all in. But the moment it sort of just seeps into overclaiming and marketing stuff, I'm sort of tuned out a bit. Yes. Does that mean sometimes you would turn people away or do you find that you're usually able to steer them towards that more? I, you know what? I, it's a good question. I, I don't 
feel I don't really need to because what happens is they'll inquire on the website about something um, and then I'll tell them sort of what I do and they just won't respond, which is sort of makes – I'm pretty clear about how um, how I do things to make sure that it is a really um, – it's a really like a worthwhile exercise working with a client. Um, if it's not a worthwhile exercise and it's just gloss, then, um, you know, there are plenty of marketing agencies that will do that. So it's just being clear about what your role is as the service provider. Purposeful is a, you know, it's a, it's a social impact consultancy. We want to work with clients to develop um, socially impactful and purpose-driven solutions. But do we want to uh, just sugarcoat things to make them look attractive to other funders and, you know, entities? That's not really our bag. Nah, not at all. You're yeah. a very authentic business. Yeah, and I mean, I think that just comes from the fact that, I mean, this is what I put all my time and effort into and I didn't have to do this. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be very um, straight up and down about it. Uh, in a space that's full of, I think, a bit of smoke and mirrors around, you know, what is the essence of purpose and why is it important? I think you need to play a straight bat and really just sort of be out there and champion the fact that it's about having a clear approach to social impact. It's about measuring and narrating, you know, a social impact story. It's about respecting um, relationships with stakeholders and strengthening them. And it's about um, elevating an organisation so that they can achieve a higher purpose that leads to more returns for the organisation um, and also um, for its people. Yeah, definitely. And society as well, the social impact being a key driver there. 100%. Yeah, and... You, you do a really good job of building a community around that mission. You know, you have your podcast, Humans of Purpose, mm. and even just the, the social media activity that you do through that and through Purposeful. You're really working at building a really engaged community. I think it's, it's just that we do have a very authentic message and we're not going out there to, you know, be advocating the things that we're not doing. We don't have a claim. We're not championing how great we are. So many organisations and people on social media, you look at their feeds and it's like, oh, we've got this award, we've got that award, we're so great for this, we're so great for that. Most of what we do is actually about showcasing the great work of our clients and our partners and other stakeholders that we've had relationships with. So you'll see in our feeds that we do spend a lot of time just sharing good quality content. Humans of Purpose is legitimately about showcasing the power of um, conversations with purpose-driven leaders and the reason for that is because I think everyone needs local heroes to look up to and respect I love that yeah everyone needs local heroes to look up to and respect so I didn't finish my story but like you know the same time that I decided to start purposeful I was in New York with my wife um, very disillusioned from my public service sort of ending that time there and I, I just thought why is it that in New York City, walking the streets of New York, I have to listen to these random Americans, um, you know, talking about how great they are um, on podcasts? Why can't I hear about the amazing people back home in Melbourne and Australia who are doing really transformational social change work? Yeah, preach. <laughs> well, I know, I know it's happening. And like, yeah. I know you guys have been doing it for a while and sort of started thinking, um, look, if there's room for, for you guys and a bunch of other players who do it, why can't I add my own spin to that? My spin is just about a really authentic opportunity to have a conversation and to make the point that we don't have enough meaningful conversations where it's like two people connecting over ideas and, um, and honouring the moment of that conversation. It's, mm -hmm. it's not about um, trying to score points or promote your products or services. It's really about exchanging ideas. And 
So I get immense value from that conversation. But then the listeners of the podcast uh, can learn so much um, when they might not have had the opportunity to meet that person. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, I feel like in this day and age, it's all about attention grabbing and trying to work out how do you capture someone's attention and keep it. And it's all about, okay, well, what's what's pulling them right now? What's something really flashy? What's a funny meme, this and that? But in reality, people just want connection. Yeah, I totally agree. I think people want to sit down and hear meaningful content. And I think actually the more content overdrive uh, online and the media saturation, the more space there actually is that opens up for authentic, meaningful conversation that's around real issues. And people want to hear the stories of Australians who have decided to take a certain course in their life, um, who could have done something very comfortable and easy, but have taken the hard road um, in the name of social change. And that, that to me is very inspiring. And I'd like to see us get to a place where um, more people actually pedestalize and you know, idolize these types of people who are creating social change rather than some plasticed up celebrity or cricket player or whatnot. Yeah, it's almost as if you're, you're hitting on the concept of micro-influencers, but you're using that with local people that are actually making society better in some way or... Uh, challenging something in some way, like people that are actually making change on yeah. a very uh, relatable level. Yeah, and for me, it's like we should be really honouring people who are doing things like innovation in education and sciences. I mean, that that is stuff that really has profound societal impact. And um, the truth is, is there's no reason why we don't honour those people enough. And the podcast is just a way to give them more of that spotlight and really put the attention on some people who are doing terrific work. Mm. I, I know you've touched on this before, um, but when it comes to honouring local heroes, mm. let's say if you have some young social entrepreneur mm. who has someone that they look up to um, within their local circles, mm. how do they actually start that meaningful conversation? Because I find that in theory it sounds really fantastic, but sometimes – it's kind of hard trying yeah. to, you know, secure that time with them and give them a compelling reason, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think it's hard. I mean, there's definitely like a ring, of a, a fence ring that these social entrepreneurs put around themselves where it's like, you know, you have to, it has to be clear kind of what the value exchange is in order to talk to them or meet them. But they're not all like that. It's a bunch of them are, but it's, it's really about sort of thinking how can you penetrate that fence a little bit and being a bit tactical about it. Do you have um, any tricks? I think people are inherently interested in incentives and what they want to, what they see themselves gaining from a situation. So, you know, you, you could always talk to them about something that you've been following that they do is, is, a, is a good thing to do. So just, you know, don't go in there and be like, hey, I love you, let's make the coffee. Like, you know, that's... I'm a, that's, your number one fan. Yeah, I have yeah, a shrine of yeah. you in a, my a room. A very common pitfall is people just getting way too fast to yes. the chat. There's, there's got to be a value exchange there or at least... An alignment of purpose so you want to be talking to them about stuff that you know that they're interested in that you're also interested in like build some rapport like you would with anyone that you're meeting um, and also just talk about you know um, how you think you could benefit each other because I think the mistake a lot of people make is they just say I really want to have coffee and pick your brain well how much can people have their brains picked if you imagine like pick a social entrepreneur get hundreds of emails like that every few months so I think you've got to be clever and savvy about it but also 
the best way to um, make those connections is if you see someone out and you really want to connect with them, just go up and say hi and make a personal connection. There's nothing like a personal connection mm. if done the right way. You can send as many like, you know, funny, awkward tweets or, you know, LinkedIn mails as you like, but go up to someone in person and, um, you know, buy them a coffee or just, just say hi and say authentically, you know, what you love about what they're doing and ask whether you could email them sometime. That yeah. is the way to do it. Yeah, that's really great advice. I find that um, sometimes if I see someone at a networking event that I really want to speak to, just bite the bullet, walk right up. I don't even know what I'm going to talk about, but I just try and give it a go. And usually they're lovely and they are very interested in in, um, getting in touch and chatting. So it's probably the scariest way to go about it, but you're right, it does. It's effective pays off. also plays into the thing that, um, because it's this, it's the hardest way to do it. You should do it that way, right? Because mm. you know, not enough people would have the guts to do that. So you're already winning if you take that approach. Therefore, you'll stand out. And I reckon another extra tip would probably be to see what their recent activity is. Or yeah, absolutely. What they've Research done. Research the person. And, like, yeah, exactly. Don't just go in blind and be like, "Hey, I want to buy you coffee so I can steal your ideas." Like, like seriously. <laughs> okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like a lot of people do that. They will say. Um, can I have half an hour of your time so I can um, learn from what you did? And like, yeah, everyone wants to give their time to, to young people, give them a chance to sort of um, learn, but it's much more valuable to sort of make a clear connection and state what your purpose is before you try and arrange that coffee. Mm. So be clear on your, on your purpose and back yourself in. So say, I'd love to buy you a coffee because I'm really interested in, you know, this, this tweet you did the other day about this asylum seeker issue. I had some um, ideas about how your business might think about um, getting into this space and I have a contact who I'd really like to connect you with. Can we catch up for coffee? Oh, fantastic. See how there's like the few layers in that cake are basically like, I know what you're up to. I'm impressed by it. Um, I want to add value to your life by making you a connection that you could then um, use and add value to how you're doing things. It's not a taking offering. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That is, a lot of listeners are going to find that extremely helpful. Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot of time. If you're, uh, even if you, you don't have to be convinced that it's, um, you know, it's the idea that's going to get them, you know, Series B funding or something or take them to the next um, global hackathon, but it, it's just got to be an idea that you've, you've put some thought and heart into mm-hmm. um, that comes from a good place and they, they understand that you've thought about how you can help them. Yeah. Um, so when you're not thinking about all these things, um, do you have any, I don't know, resources or books or, I don't know, what, what, do, you, what do you engage in to get your mind going, to get you thinking yeah. differently? That's a good question. I mean, I like to read. I haven't done enough reading lately, just caught up in business and podcasting and whatnot. But um, I love reading. So when I go on holidays, I'll smash through a lot of books fantastic um i do listen to a lot of other podcasts here um, i find that that's a really good way to get in a different headspace oh yeah any yeah. you would recommend um besides impact room of course obviously <laughs> obviously impact room i don't listen to my own podcast people uh, ask me do you listen to humans of purpose i think that would be weird and kind of like obsessional so no i, I don't listen very hard i'm sure listen. it's a good podcast i don't listen to it i can um, vouch for it definitely a you're good very podcast. kind <laughs> i like a lot of the abc podcasts so the big ideas i like the npr podcasts um 
Uh, I was listening to a really good one, How I Made This, uh, the one with Guy Yeah, Rice they actually have a Facebook group for that. Really? How You Built That. How you built how I Built This is the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So there's a corresponding Facebook yeah, group yeah. and man, it's so active yeah, yeah. and they're very I'm going to get on that. So yeah, I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I read a couple of blogs. I think if your listeners haven't heard, uh, Marginal Revolution is fantastic. It's Tyler Cowan, who's an economist from um, the US, George Mason University. And he he's the smartest guy in the world, in my opinion. And he just compiles these daily reading lists of about eight links. So I obsessively go through that and just try and find what he's interested in. Oh, wow. So it's a newsletter that you're subscribed No, nah, it's just a website. Oh, it's just a website yeah. and he posts it on the website. Yeah, go to marginalrevolution.com um, if you want to link it. And it's terrific. It really gets me thinking because I'm um, I mean, if this is the smartest guy in the world and this is what he's interested in, like, you know, come on, you've got to give that <laughs> a go. you're in good company. Yeah, good company. <laughs> so I think a good tip is when trying to expand the mind, um, don't just go to news sites, find blogs of compiled reading lists that other really bright people have put time into, mm. like newsletters mm-hmm. and stuff. Go to things that other people have already curated. Correct. So, so you don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, so you, you get people who you like and find what they like. So it just saves you so much time. Like Tim Ferriss has got a good Five Bullet Friday, which is good. And I read it. Eric Barker has got a terrific neuroscience blog that's good. Um, so I've got a couple of websites that I check into and a couple of uh, newsletters that I love reading and sort of keep myself in that as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. We'll definitely include those links so that sure. listeners can check that out as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really – I this conversation could keep on going on <laughs> – I can tell you that. You're welcome to stay if you like. We, we can continue it. But Round thanks. two. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been a lot of fun uh, not leaving my house. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, one last thing before we go. How can people connect with you, connect with purposeful humans of purpose? Yep. Yeah. So I think the best way to connect, if you want to see sort of, I'm not a great tweeter, but I do tweet from time to time. So at MikeDev84. Um, is my personal Twitter. And if you want to send me an inbox there, I'll be happy to respond. Um, Otherwise, you can see what we're doing at purposeful.com.au. And if you want to shoot uh, my my trusty uh, lieutenant an email, uh, Dees Legowo, she's at hello at purposeful.com.au and she'll be able to click anything relevant onto me. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much. Terrific. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.